welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the very Irish Katie Boyle. Woo! Yay! Yeah. Welcome, Katie! Thank, Thank you. you. For Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, yeah, so to get started, we'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Where are you from? How did you get started in comedy? Uh, just tell us about yourself. I am from Ireland. Uh, I got started in comedy in New York. I've been here six and a half years and I moved over to work in the art world, but then I hated it. And then the I was working at MoMA PS1, but it was like a 50 hour unpaid internship. It was kind of awful. And then I went to Creek in the Cave, which was just across the road from it and saw a comedy show. And then my friend visited and we went to a comedy show at Over the Eight, actually. That was it, uh, which is not it doesn't exist anymore. It was a comedy place that New York comedians would have went to years ago. And I saw a girl performing um, and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then I kept going to the Creek in the Cave. And then nearly six years ago, I started doing it and haven't stopped. So that was it, really. That's great. And you said you started comedy once you got to New York. Yeah, I started here like six months into living here. Have you ever done comedy in Ireland or has it been exclusively here? Yeah, no, I've done it a bunch. Um, I've gone back a few times and then I had a podcast with a famous Irish guy. So I opened for him a bunch. It was actually kind of like I got to go back and like skip a lot of steps because I got to open at like the biggest comedy club there, which was great just because I met him here. So that's awesome. And then yeah. growing up and like before you came to New York, were you ever like into comedy or was it like totally random? Completely random. I like watched a bit of Tommy Tiernan when I was growing up. He's an Irish comedian. And yeah, I would have watched like the Irish comedians, but I wasn't really into it. Like I wasn't obsessed. Like some even now, sometimes co- comedians will be talking about comics and I'm like, oh, I don't know who they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so I was never obsessed with it. Just, yeah, that was it. Yeah. What were you... What was your goal with like working? What was your original trajectory? Because I know you said you were doing the uh, unpaid internship at MoMA. What was the original like, oh, I'm going to do this so that I can then do X. Do you mean before comedy? Before comedy, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just was like wanted to leave my country. And then I had a, I was an artist in Ireland and I had like a, a good GPA degree thingy um so I was like I'll just apply for internships in America I came over here and with the first month I was applying and then I got um MoMA PS1 and it was just kind of I didn't even I had no plan it was just kind of like go with the flow and see what happens I guess more the plan would have been to be a successful artist but then when I was working at the internship it was all uh the background stuff I wasn't I didn't have time to do art or do what I was doing back in Ireland so but yeah, I didn't have, I never really have a plan. I'm just like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I'll just kind of do this and see what happens. Yeah, that's wild. And then were you, um, do you still do any art? Like while you're here, or are you just like pretty much all comedy? Um, I just paint for people sometimes, but I never painted in college. That's not even what I did as an artist. Uh, but no, it's, impo- it's nearly impossible to do it because what I was doing in Ireland needed like a studio or like, yeah. And I just, yeah, no, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna I like comedy because you can just write your jokes and then test it out straight away and either they work or they don't and you get to fix it and you could you could have it fixed within like two shows in one night you know so yeah totally so like what were you doing before 
how do you think your comedy before the pandemic was different from comedy during the pandemic? Like what was, what was the shift there like for you? Um, I don't know. I think I got better after the pandemic because, um, well, I don't know, like, I guess before, before, the pandemic like with me I'm kind of older not older but like I was 24 when I decided to start comedy which is like fine that's young but I had invested all these years in art was planning to come here to be an artist so I was like if I'm gonna do this I want to like do as much as possible so I was always like doing as many shows or I ran I was running three shows once I started comedy um and like I traveled a lot and went all over Europe so I was always trying to put myself in a position that I was scared of like having your family or your friends or boyfriends come see you so I could get over that nervousness but I think with the pandemic and doing zoom comedy that was like a whole different like ball game that I think it made me stronger because I had to really like act out or like really sell my jokes to these people on screen and even doing TikTok I never did that before but actually it's helped a lot because it's helped me like get into character whereas before I would just tell my jokes but now I'm like la you know and yeah. can I actually helps you connect more because trying to connect with people on zoom then when you go do a real show you're like this is so much easier to connect so I forget what the question was but I think you were saying how did the pandemic change my comedy I think it made me stronger I think it's going to make all comedians stronger because we also did like subway shows park shows you're dealing with like a dog barking a helicopter going by so if you can do that it's just going to make you stronger I feel yeah. And then when the pandemic hit, were you like, I'm automatically going to get into like whatever I can do? You know, like, I feel like that so many yeah. people have like handled it so differently and had so many like, like people are like, okay, well, I'm just going to take a break from comedy or, you know, figuring out, I don't know, like, what did you, did you jump right onto the Zoom bandwagon or, or what, yeah. what did I it look like through the beginning jumping I into f- feel like out of my friends I was one of the first to do zoom so as soon as it happened I texted my a guy I knew who was doing like Instagram live shows and I was like oh I heard about this zoom do you want to do zoom shows and he was like yeah so we did zoom shows the whole time and then he took it over and he got us like corporate gigs and it's like the best thing I ever did was reach out to him because he just like organized it all um so yeah I was doing zooms like pretty much straight away yeah what was the weirdest pandemic location you found yourself doing an open mic in or a show or anything? Yeah, I didn't do any open mics, um, but I don't like open mics. <laughs> also, I've been doing it long enough that I'm like, it's not beneficial for me and touch wood. Now I've said this, I might have jinxed myself, but yeah. I would ra- I, I literally would rather run shows than ever do an open mic. Um, so I was like, as soon as we could do outdoor stuff, I was running an outdoor show, which is basically like an open mic for real people. Um, and I had my show as well. I had my um, my QED show the whole time because it was in the back garden. So I had two shows a week during the pandemic when we were able to. So there was probably only like two months where we couldn't do stuff, to be honest. But weirdest location uh, to do a show was the subway. I did a, a stand up New York subway. They do it on the subway. Uh, and the first time I did it, I like they take over the last carriage, but they go to the very end and they, they go back up to the top. But my set the train came to the end and I had to like walk off the train and still do comedy and get onto the next train while still doing comedy. So that was definitely the weirdest. Yeah. That sounds bizarre. How did that go? Like, did you enjoy it? Like what? I don't know. Do you have any stories from that? I loved it. I remember being on like a zoom meeting with like a load of 
Baker comics one time. It was some sort of, I don't know what it was. And like, when I say Baker, I mean like they're like 10, 15 years in. And um, and I'd be friends with a lot of them, but like they were bitching about this subway thing. And I was like, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't do it. Um, but then like a week later, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Like, I don't care. I'll do anything. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Cause it's like, I love, I love doing stuff that it's like scary. And yeah, they were just like, oh, we're not fucking, we're not showtime. Like we don't, we don't need to do but I'm like I'll do it wherever wherever and if I'm getting paid like fucking I'll do it dancing on a pole so <laughs> um yeah so I, I don't know I liked it I thought it was great and they set they set it up well like when you think of it you're like subway show what's that it's gonna be like when people get on and like showtime and they're screaming at you but they're not they took over a whole last carriage and they set it up like a show and um I think uh, some people's fear of it was that like oh are the comedians wearing masks and stuff like that but I wore my mask so it was grand yeah that's great do you think that like these weird locations or zoom shows or other things are going to stick around now that things are reopening or do you think it's going to be a time that we look back on like oh that was such a strange unique time back inside we go yeah I don't know I already noticed because we have an outdoor show that once everything opened up there wasn't people coming to it because they just have better options now so like why would they come to our outdoor show when they can go to like they have so much options in the city and stuff ours is kind of in the back of nowhere it's like in Sunnyside so it definitely we saw a drop in attendance so I don't know but maybe yeah yeah it's wild because we sometimes have people on the podcast who are like zoom is here to stay zoom is great I love being outside outside shows are great now we have a holler venue and then we have people who are like no we're just gonna go back inside and it's such a like I mean I guess who who knows um mm-hmm. but yeah I still see people doing like zoom shows and stuff and I'm like but we cannot <laughs> do zoom shows <laughs> what I think is great about zoom shows is I did one uh two weeks ago but it's like comedians they get comedians from all over the country so that's what's great you're getting to see like I don't know if your if your choice is to like sit in and watch five New York comics or go to New York Comedy Club and watch those five New York comics. I think you're gonna probably go to the club if you have the money. But if you're like if you're like, oh, I'll never get to see this comic from San Francisco or whatever, like it's a very diverse location lineup, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I even think just that aspect alone with all performance mediums, there's now the acceptability and the normalcy being like oh but we could also live stream it and you could watch it from your home and I just think this whole time has opened up that potential so much more and it really just does make it all so much more universal because you're not restricted by like oh but I'm in a different like I was on a show with someone the other night who for it, we were all in different time zones like he was like it's 2 a.m over here and we're like oh we're so sorry but it's just it's an interesting time yeah yeah absolutely yeah so now that we're kind of like approaching the the post zoom post pandemic world how has your comedy or your life changed like what I don't know like what your daily routine in comedy and like your your weekly schedules how is that adjusted now well before the pandemic I was definitely working too much um like I was doing comedy every night the podcast and um, I was working like two day jobs, but so no, I'll never do that again. Right now I'm only just working two days a week. And so that's just to like pay the bills and stuff. And then uh, comedy every night. But how is it? I just, yeah, it's made me more relaxed, I guess. Um, And not try to like 
uh kill myself as much as in like you know running around trying to do everything um it's also made me like monetize it more so I do like a patreon and like tiktok and all that crap so I think honestly the pandemic was great for me no, I, I wouldn't want people to die and stuff, but it opened up more opportunities for me as well. I said this to my stepmom and my I was like, oh, I think it was really good for me. And my dad was like, yeah, it killed off all the competition. And I'm like, no, that's not <laughs> true at all. It's just more um, I was still here in New York doing the outdoor shows. I got to m- meet people that I wouldn't have met before because we were in different scenes. So all the scenes mushed together. Um, I got to open for people that maybe I wouldn't have before. And yeah, I just... I don't know it was good for me that sounds bad but I also just feel like I matured as a person so my comedy got better as in like I chilled out because like the world was on fire so we all have to chill out a little bit no that's so great and I I know it's taboo I guess is the word to be like no I actually think there were some good things like things went kind of well but I I think that's such a great way of like being and looking at it because being like that was all terrible it's like well no it wasn't yeah I don't yeah I don't think so I I was way too tired I was overworked and then I just got to have a break and relax and like think about my own issues you know like introspection and all that shit like I totally uh was probably a lot more sensitive like maybe a year and a half ago than what I am now and maybe that's just getting older as well but I think just being like fuck this isn't I don't want comedy to be like this because comedy and Irish guilt being a comedian is the same as being an Irish Catholic because you're less like I gotta work every fucking second I gotta do every show I gotta have 17 jobs or I'm not I don't deserve this and it's such bullshit and it makes you tired and and then comedians do that to each other like they'd be like you know like oh you know like the grind and I actually don't think that the grind is that great I think you need to be able to take some time off and like like you know like I took last weekend off to go to Vegas but if that had been a year ago I would have been like or a year and a half ago I would have been like I need to get shows and I'm there but then now I was like no I I do shows every night in New York I'm taking a fucking break that's yeah no and I think that's such a healthy outlook on it because even that the importance of like taking a break and mental health while you're still clearly hustling so much and you have so much going on like you mentioned um patreon and your tiktok can you just talk a little bit about one for people who are listening who may not know like what patreon is and how you're working with that and also with your tiktok like what's your like thing (laughs) so with tiktok when i first started doing it so when like the whole march stuff happened my oh i think i went back oh no my sister was like oh please do tiktok i think she regrets it now because she's getting like a bit of shit for my tiktoks but (laughs) she's like oh for fuck's sake um but uh she's so she's a lot younger and she was like you should definitely do it and it was the first time i had the time to do it so i started just telling stories on it and then i think I got like 20,000 followers and then I was asked to do this like education stuff and they would pay you 1500 to do it um and at the time I was back in Ireland for a month so I had to come back early to do it because you have to be in the USA and um it was 40 videos over two months for 1500 if it was educational and I was like what the fuck would I so I started doing sex ed because my podcast is about sex and dating and just like all of the stuff I've learned on that that I didn't know like just like you know like 
you know, sex ed stuff, but I would like try to make it silly. So I called it like silly sex ed. So I did 40 of those. And then I got like an extra 20,000 followers. So these people were, half of them were here for the sex ed. The other half were here for the stories. So when I finished up doing that, I was like, I don't want to do sex ed anymore. I have no more sex ed information. Um, I've done 40 videos of it and I just don't care. So then I started to lose followers again. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But then the TikTok people asked me what I do, educa- more educational videos. So I started doing Irish um, I- stuff about being Irish. And I- and because my sister was also getting uh, annoyed with me for doing like sex stuff, um, which is like fair enough. It's like TikTok. She was like, whatever you want on your Instagram. And she was like kind of understanding as well. She was like, it's up to you. But I know she was getting a bit of shit. So I was like, right, I need to change it up a bit because my comedy is all about sex and dating and stuff. So then I just started doing like stuff about being Irish in America and that's what I do now that's the main thing like about like Irish names or like you know people misunderstanding my accent or like dating as an Irish woman not like I don't really put up the sex stuff or or stand up sometimes but yeah and then when I started doing that I got like an extra 20,000 followers so that's kind of what I've been sticking with now so it's weird how it went 2020 <laughs> I feel like now that I'm doing that I'll lose the other sex ed people but whatever I don't it's just so hard to like and then TikTok it's hard because you, you feel like you're really pigeonholed to something um but that's just what I'm doing now so see how it goes awesome. I'm Patreon yeah. <laughs> um I do the podcast it's like a sex dating relationship podcast but with the Patreon, they can sign up for pay what they want. And I'll talk about my really personal stuff that I don't a want to talk about on the podcast uh, or B, um, I just don't have time to because I'm interviewing guests and stuff. So I do a half hour to an hour solo episode a week on that. Um, and then they get the regular podcast episode a week early. And then I put up like once a month, like stand up clips of like work in progress jokes that I wouldn't put up anywhere else because it's just like, like it could be like a jo- figuring out a joke. So they get to see that. So that's it. That's really what I do for it. Like the, it's like my, an online diary. It's super private stuff that I wouldn't say. Like when I'm dating someone, I talk all about the shit that we're going through. That's super interesting. And like, what a way to, I don't know, like make the most of these technology platforms that are that are coming out of it how has that affected your comedy then to have this like outlet where you're constantly like creating content like has that affected your your career in stand-up at all um yeah I think so like I don't TikTok or Patreon or the whatever hasn't given me any stand-up opportunities because you just get that from being here and doing stand-up but it's like a uh, an open mic you know without having judgmental 12 year old comics stare at you um it, you know you're doing these you're constantly making content so you're able to translate that into into comedy like it's the same way like if you post a tweet it's not you can't get up and just say the tweet but you make it into stand-up so it's like it's constantly making you think of material yeah super interesting I have this weird fan he's really nice I shouldn't call him weird but it's weird and what he does but it's really helpful so it's great um so I'm really grateful for him but he uh he'll transcribe my solo episodes and so I have like all of these notes of everything because you nearly wouldn't remember of everything you say and then when he transcribes it I'm like oh yeah I should make that into a joke that's great and he just sends it to you just sends it to me he sends me food and stuff as well so yeah money sometimes he sent me like a hundred dollars in Vegas he was like enjoy yourself so 
oh my god big fan yeah yeah and I've never there's never been like I've never sent photos or anything that's not like sugar daddy I think it's sugar daddy comedy (laughs) (laughs) because you are putting out so much free content that it's like that's why Instagram's great they started this thing where you can go live and people can tip you so I did it and like I was like come on now tip me you're getting so much free content and I got like in 20 minutes it got like 20 dollars so it's like that was great fun yeah yeah it's always nice to find ways to commodify the uh, the internet. <laughs> yeah, I think the internet's great because then as well with the comedy club bookers, a lot of them are great and very nice people. And a lot of the time they just, they find someone else they like. So they just stop booking you. It's not personal. Every comedian takes a personal. They're like, did I say this? And maybe they did, but most likely they probably didn't. It's probably just they've found someone else they like or the rotation has changed. Or they just forgot you existed. That's it. It's nothing. Um, but you, you know, you're kind of accepting these gatekeepers to give you opportunities. Whereas, and like, you know, when you need as much stage time to A, pay bills or B, be getting up in front of like agents, because sometimes they're in the audience. But TikTok and is like giving people opportunities in that regard where you can monopolize it yourself. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe an agent will come over your stuff that way. Not me yet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but still it's like, okay, it's not just all down to like these clubs and club bookers. It's like not the be all or end all. There's like, you can, you can make yourself big. Who is it? Like Hannah Burner made herself big via the internet and her reality show in fairness, but still she was like working on her Instagram and posting tweets all the time. And now she's, and I think then she got the reality show and now she's like a mega star. So you can definitely, I think the internet's great. I also think you get a lot of shit on the internet. Like I have one video that just went viral. I'm not even reading the comments because they're just like, you're a dumb cow. And I'm like, um, <laughs> what was the video? It was just saying that I, mean, I was it's so dumb. I was saying that there's a stereotype that Irish people are alcoholics, which I don't agree with. Um, I think Americans are alcoholics because uh, your measures for your drinks are three times the amount of ours like we actually have like a proper measure thing so you can't if you order whiskey and coke it's just 25 milliliters whereas here the bartender's like let's keep boring and then you have one drink and you're hammered and then for us we're like hammered or fall off the stool and those guys you guys are like you're alcoholics and like no you're fucking alcoholics this is what you drink as a normal drink now there's just a lot of people getting angry on it but the more they get angry and comment the more money i get because i get money for every views so i'm like yeah yeah, so who 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 cares? Who's point, really right? winning? Yeah, yeah, it's like Americans being like, "Oh yeah, you're right, Irish are pussies," and then it's Irish being like, "We're not pussies, we drink loads." I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm a. It says comedian. I'm not. I'm also not the fact. Like, you know, people think that you're saying stuff as if you're like, "This is fact," and it's like, no, I just said something. It doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. It doesn't mean that I really believe it. It's just like comedy, and then they're like they literally get so mad and be like, how dare you? And it's like, I don't speak for the 4 million people living in Ireland or the fucking whatever, or the how many people in America. I just said something, chill. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. And I know you said uh, before, switching gears a little bit, that you kind of happened upon stand-up. It wasn't something that you're like, oh, I was a fan forever and ever and ever, and now I'm here. But do you think you have anyone, even if it's just somebody that like you met throughout or a famous person, that's been, you would say, your biggest influence in comedy that's like kind of brought you where you are? Um, I don't think I have one big influence at all that brought me where I am. Um. But like my favorite comedian growing up would have been Tommy Tiernan, but I'm nothing like him at all. Uh, Like my performance is nothing like him and my content is nothing like him. I just really enjoyed him. And Daryl Breen, same, but again, totally different. So I'm trying to think 
influenced. I feel like I was just influenced by a lot of people when I was doing comedy and being like, like, and they're just like not famous comedians, but being like, oh, I like the way they approach that topic or deliver it. So like, I guess like Alex Pavone, he's a Canadian comedian and he's like here, he's not famous. It's insane that he's not famous, but I'm like, when I, I, even now when I watch him, I'm like, oh, I love the way, and I would never copy, but I would find it inspiring. I'm like, I love the way he like tackles that topic or yeah, like Nathan McIntosh and stuff. And they're just comedians that I see. Like, I, I think I see more comedians in real life than famous comedians on the TV, which maybe I should watch more. Uh, TV, probably. Oh, what's his name? I forget. it. Napier Gafsi. I love him. But yeah, again, I, so I don't funny. I feel like I'm not like any of them. I don't. And I purposely try not to be like anybody at all. So if anything, I just try to be like when if I meet up with my Irish friends, like the way we talk and the way we tell stories, that's how we are. So I like to be like who I am. Um, so I don't ever want to I get really irritated. And this is really mean of me to say, but I get really irritated when I see comedians sounding like comedians um, because yeah. I'm just like, you don't talk like that in real life. And I get it. It is like, of course, you're just doing a style. And but I I I think for me to make yourself stand out is to sound exactly the way you sound, but make it funny. Um, so I see a lot of like newer comics sounding like Casey James Lango, who's like one of my favorite comedians. And they're literally doing his hand movement and his voice. And I'm like, or Mark Normand, or there's another comedian as well that I and I and I see women and men do it. And I'm like, it just frustrates me, but they're being funny and they're doing their own jokes. But I'm like, just do it. Do it the way you would talk. Because I, I, you don't talk like that offstage. But that's mean of me too, because look, whatever whatever character you need to get into. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's like Mark Norman's famous because it's him. You know, it's his thing. Right. Same yeah. with anyone who's famous. Yeah. You know, like, like I think like yeah, I think there are very few people who are famous because they're a lot like another famous person. Yeah, I think you're just hindering yourself. So I see yeah. it. It hurts my ears sometimes because I say that I just, yeah, because I'm just like watching it and I've seen like four people sound the same in a row doing the same like, like inflection of the voice and the hand movement. And I'm like, oh. and but I'm like, I'm not going to say that to them. I'm like, like you fucking idiot. But I'm just like, I yeah. have to walk out sometimes because I'm like, I can't listen to another Mark Norman. <laughs> but you know that and that's unfair and that's not just here that's like traveling I I remember like I was away traveling with my friend and we saw like three comics in a row sound really similar and he was like they sound like a famous comedian and he's not a comedian and then eventually figured out it was Mark Norman and he was like he even he was like he was like that's really weird why don't they just and I was like I know yeah (laughs) because he was like I'm not walking away remembering them I'm walking away thinking oh I should google I should watch Mark Norman later yeah that's actually (laughs) such a good point I never thought of it that way it's also like I remember when I first started comedy and like or first started stand-up and it's so like I feel like there's kind of like an unspoken thing in the like non-comedian world where they're like, so what's your persona? Like, what are your jokes going to be? Like, who are you going to be? And it's not so much like, oh no, I'm just going to be myself. And I remember so clearly, like at the beginning of when I was doing stand-up, being like, am I going to be this person or this person? And then someone was like, no, just be yourself. It was what Steven Rogers told me that was like, just oh, be yeah. yourself. I know he's so nice. And he was like, if you're just yourself, you'll, um, like you're gonna run out of material if you're someone else. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think, um, make yeah, because uh, yeah, just being yourself is just so much easier as well because yeah. you're just yeah, no, always just be yourself. Because then it's just like 
for me, what well, the type of comedy I want is that they feel like they're my friends and I'm funny with my friends. So it's like, I want the audience to feel like that too, but I am very conversational. So it is different. So, and I guess when people sometimes do one-liners maybe, but even then, yeah, I'm very much a, whatever your normal voice is, just get that on stage as soon as possible, because that's what people are going to remember. Cause if I got up there and I was like, diddly I top of the morning, yeah, I am Irish. You'd be like, it would be it would be all it wouldn't be me it would be me leaning into being Irish or like I am Irish so obviously I have to talk about it but I mean it'd yeah. be me like like being like oh this is and it would be to my detriment because then at some stage I'd be like ah oh, just want to be me on stage right and you're like totally pigeonholing yourself to yes. be whoever that character is so being Irish seems to really affect your comedy do you like but you, as you said, like, you don't like really play up the Irish, like part, like, what are some of the things that you'd notice that are different between like, I don't know, like Irish and American cultures that have affected the way that you like present yourself or perform or is that not a thing? Yeah, loads of, there's loads. Yeah, definitely 100%. Uh, firstly, just practical, had to talk slower and change words that I use um, because you guys use different words. Um, and uh also just my material because I come from a place where I would say Ireland's sexist another Irish person might be like it's not but I really believe it's very sexist I believe that um when we got our freedom from England even though there was like a lot of women fighting for that freedom we got we got we literally then women got screwed over I still think it's great that we got our freedom but um this guy Eamon de Valera became president he brought in the Catholic Church Catholic Church notoriously hates women for some reason um and women's rights got taken away it was crazy because I like let's say 400 years before England took us over it was a very it was the laws are based on equality so it's very equal system in Ireland even though they portrayed us as apes and stuff actually Ireland was doing fine it was very equal (laughs) then Uh for 400 years of England taking over and all that oppression all of that stuff fast forward a lot of women a lot of socialists fight for the freedom this is sorry this is really boring history class but um then uh we get our freedom and then the next 100 years or not even uh is like women being oppressed, I believe, because there was stuff like you couldn't get a job once you got married. You had to quit your job and be stay at home. If you had a baby, you had to stay away from the baby for three days because you were dirty, according to the Catholic Church. Um, we joined the EU when you weren't allowed to get an abortion, which was technically breaking EU's laws because there was something to do with like that was allowed in the EU, but or maybe the marriage thing. But it wasn't until like the late 70s, like 79 or something, that you could stay married and keep your job. Um, and then we only got abortion like two years ago. Uh, and around the time we get abortion rights, people are like, oh, this is so great. But a, a girl was like raped in my country and they used her tongue as evidence against her. So even though there's this great progressive thing, there's also this great show the attitude of like, what are you wearing? You deserve it. Uh, last year, there was a tampon ad that showed how to put a tampon in you. And it was like light. It was life changing for me because I've been putting those things in wrong. Every time I use a tampon, I was like, fucking hate man. This is so uncomfortable walking around like my vagina kind of sore. And then they showed how to do it because no one ever shows you. No one talks about this stuff in Ireland. It's embarrassing to talk to your children about using tampons, to talk to your children about sex ed. Um, so then they a bunch of old people complained about the tampon ad. So they got it off the TV but it was such a and it's like it's so annoying it's like god forbid women should be comfortable and know how to use tampons and why does this tampon ad have to exist in the first place because you fucking fuckers won't show women how to use tampons like uh, sex ed i have hpv because no one told me about stds or anything i wouldn't have fucked 
wouldn't have fucked anybody without a con- but the co- there's a condomless uh-huh. culture yeah then they told you they didn't ha- teach you about sex ed there was no sex ed classes there was just kind of that trickle down you'll go to hell but my generation didn't believe in hell because we're like bad catholics so we just fucking um and then we all have hpv the amount of women like five years ago who died from hpv because they weren't getting smear tests they didn't know anything about it so i will die on this hill that my country is very sexist and doesn't want to help women with stuff um so you know so even though every time i get a little bit and i see that i come over here and people are like oh america's so sexist they cat call and i'm like that's nothing <laughs> compared to <laughs> um and then they'll be like yeah I can't believe he did this he grabbed my my ass and I'm like oh men will grab my ass at home at all as a joke and you can't really make a big deal about it because then you're like I remember a girl being sexually harassed at my work and being like I don't want to say anything and then people being like oh you're making a big deal about it just leave it and that's the attitude and here women will be like no fuck you so I learned a lot and then with sex too like no one talks about masturbation now my my personality has changed because I just needed to orgasm I was having all this shit sex didn't know my body having all this shit sex being frustrated because like anti, it's literally like drinking and drinking but never getting drunk or uh having a massage that hurts because you're not climaxing and no one I don't know these men are trying to kind of get these men to figure out this Rubik's cube that I didn't figure out because I didn't know and then I have these American girlfriends who are like, just touch yourself. And then I did. And I'm like, wow, this is the best. And then like, or, or even just with sex stuff, like I was having this born vanilla sex. And now I'm like, I'm not, I'm still not going to be like you guys with your near death experiences and choking and shit. But, um, <laughs> but just like being comfortable with my body and comfortable asking for what I want and like not feeling bad if I just sleep with someone. And like in Ireland, like there people do sleep with people, but it's quiet. You're more ashamed. You won't be talking about it. But here it's like, whatever, it's not a big deal if that's what you want to do. So that was a really long way of saying I learned a lot. Uh, and being Irish has affected my material so much because obviously I'm like, oh, you guys do this and this is great and we don't do that. And I want to be slutty, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like in a fun, not like a, as in like a, when I say slutty, I mean like as in a, I use that term probably wrong, but I mean as in a, just like knowing your body and being okay with different sex stuff or finding out whatever your kinks are. And I don't have any, but it was, it was good to know that that could be an option. <laughs> Yeah. yeah so my material is all about that but yeah so definitely being Irish has affected it but because yeah. of where yeah that's so interesting I never I like never even when I asked that question I thought you were gonna be like oh yeah sometimes I have to like say things in an American way like American like terminology to get people to understand like I didn't realize it like ran so deep of like the differences um especially as Americans I feel like any like for some reason we think that like any country that also speaks English is like the same as yeah. here Oh. No, it's so different. There's even things like in dating culturally, I've really struggled with because, um, yeah. Well, I know, I know when I say America, I really should just say New York because I think New York is a totally different ball game. Um, and I'm sure Dublin is more similar to New York than the rest of the country because it's a city too. But, uh, yeah, just dating's a nightmare. Like uh, things that men would do in my country is it's very different to what the men would do here. Just. I, yeah, I don't know if you're dating someone usually in my experience was that you weren't dating like lots of multiple people the first time I experienced multiple dating was here um and I just feel like as well there's less bullshit I don't think a guy he might just say nothing in Ireland because we're not great at expressing our feelings but he wouldn't be like he wouldn't be like oh my god like you're the 
best person I've ever met. Like, I'm so, I can't believe I'm having sex with Katie. Like, oh my God, your body. And then be like, what do you, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want a relationship. You know what I mean? It wouldn't like, I feel like here there's a lot of mental fucking. It's like, it's like <laughs> emotional terrorism the, the people put you through because I, I've never experienced so many, so many men do that when I don't do that. Cause I, I takes me a while to open up with my feelings, but then not want a relationship. Like they'd be nearly telling you they love you. And they'd be like, but the last thing I want is a relationship. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you feel like, was I crazy for the last three months? Because what just happened? Well, what, what was going on? So I've never, I don't think in Ireland you would get the girlfriend experience without calling them a girlfriend. I, I just don't think the men would do that either. But again, they're not great. They're not great at expression, expressing their emotions. So they're not going to be expressing fake emotions either. Like it's kind of embarrassing <laughs> to be all like, oh my God. Like it would take months for anyone to be like, yeah, look, I really like you. But you wouldn't be like, you're like the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And I'm so lucky to be here. And then the next day be like, but I'd never call you my girlfriend. So yeah, that was weird. That is so incredibly interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, unfortunately, we're kind of winding down on time now, but even though I have like 10,000 more questions on this topic, <laughs> um, is there anything that you would like to promote shows coming up, your podcast, social media, anything? Um, I'm at Katie Boyle Comic on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, pretty much everything. I can't think of what else I do. And then shows. I just have a show every Friday night at QED. Um, and then I've post all my shows on Instagram so if shows just most nights just wherever hopefully you know um but yeah so that's it really oh podcast the shift listen to that talk about sex and dating if you want to know more about about <laughs> what we've just been talking about yeah. go check about out more podcast <laughs> more tangents <laughs> absolutely honestly I feel like people fully will no one thousand <laughs> so very interesting um yeah all right well thank you so much for coming on thank you thanks for having me thank you for listening to laughing your mask off if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and leave a good review to keep up with our hosts follow katherine at katherine.cowan and carly at carly palestina on instagram see you next week